the Golden Stallion and the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, here for another... In the car. In the car, yes. <laughs> radio Star in the car. That's such a great rhyme. Why didn't I think of that? Anyway, uh, time for another car cast, but of course, it's not just any car cast. It is your relationship rhombus show. Oh, yeah. Woo! Where we cover your relationship questions that come in. Now, I gotta admit, though, first off, we did actually... Um, or I promised that we would talk about a movie that had a wide release uh, uh, just recently. Um, and the movie is Professor... Professor... Professor. <laughs> is that like Uncle Fester That's becomes like, yeah, a right. professor? Yeah. Professor. <laughs> professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Um, and this is... This movie came out like last year. It came out... Sort of around the same time that Wonder Woman itself came out, uh, but it was only at like had a limited theatrical release. Maybe it was at Sundance or something, uh, and it just in like the past month or so, it finally came out on home video. Um, now it kind of fits with the relationship rhombus. I think. So. Oh, I think so. Like, I think it's, this is a good place to review it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really the place to do it. Um, because this is a movie about, frankly... Well, all right, so first off, it's a movie about the creation. It's about Will Marston, who was the... And his... Well, depending on what term you use, not, you can't exactly say his two wives. Um, but his two... Uh, you know, the two women in his life, in his relationship, they had a triad. Uh, and he based the character of Wonder Woman that he created in 1945... Um, he based that, or well, in that in that time frame, he based the character off of these two women that he was in love with, and they were both in love with him. Um, so it's pretty much a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not it, only that, but there were strong BDSM themes in Wonder Woman and feminist themes that came also from his real life experiences and relationships. Yeah, so so this is a movie while it's about that, it's also a movie about very a very unorthodox relationship, especially in the 1940s. Uh, and so yeah, so that's why I think this does fit in very well with the relationship rhombus show. Uh, and wow. Um, you know, I, I'm just gonna put this right out there. First off, usually like these kind of indie films that get limited releases and aren't oh and you know, usually are at Sundance or something like that. Usually, I, I, you know, I could care less about them. Like that, you know, it's it's always some kind of like artsy bullshit that I, I just, oh, you know, artsy I, bullshit. That's well, pretty strong. I mean, I love art, but like usually it's movies that I, I don't know. They have some weird like underlying meaning that means something to the, you know, kind of the the the, the critic the the critic critical elite. Uh, yeah, but, but does, fuck if you know what it means, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> and, and honestly, I really don't want to, you know, because um, there's plenty of great shit to watch out there that's more straight to head or that, uh, you know, has other themes that I'm interested in. But this movie was, and I don't know how often I've said this in the past few years, but I'm not kidding when I say this is one of the best movies I've seen in a long long time. I mean, this is a movie for me that's on a level So, okay. So I think that or one of the best things I think that art can do is be really subversive. 
And I think this movie is eminently subversive. Like, I mean, it is... This... What's going to happen... As was Wonder Woman. As was Wonder Woman itself, yes. And here's what I think is going to happen. You got a ton of people who are really excited about the Wonder Woman movie. Rightfully so, because I thought that was a great film. And you and I, Stephanie, in fact, you can find it on my YouTube channel. We did a full review of it. Um, It was in an episode of Sovereign Prime as well. But anyway... Um, I think what's going to happen is people are going to say, oh, you know, wow, Wonder Woman, such an awesome character. What's the story behind how she even got created? And they're going to find this movie, and they're going to watch this movie, and I think they're going to get inspired. I think they're going to be like, oh, whoa, you know, like, wow, because we live in a permission-based culture. And what I mean by that is that a lot of people are, you know, a lot of us are raised to think that we have to constantly ask for permission from some kind of authority. To do literally anything. To do anything. You know, to even, like, plant a tree in your backyard. What, you know, whatever the fuck it is. Okay? Um, and because of that, the power of something, show, like a piece of media, like a movie, showing you that something is okay, just putting it on display, like, really gives people that permission that they've been raised to look for. And that's why I think this is part of the reason this movie is so subversive. Because this does have to do with, again, Will Marston, who... You know, this is the guy that ended up creating the lie detector test. Which is how you can figure out that, you know, yeah, where Wonder Woman's lasso of truth came from. Right. Go ahead. He was a professor, and he was his research involved uh, polygraph machines. And also, he had this theory, this psychological theory called DISC theory. Yes. And DISC stood for Domination Inducement... Submission, submission and, and compliance, compliance or right. something like that. Yes. And it was this weird, like, BDSM-y kind of theory uh, <laughs> that he was trying to make academic, but I think he was really just kind of a pervert, and it was... Well, his wife fun. even says to him in the movie, you're just trying to prove the whims of your cock. Yeah, exactly. Like, like make it scientific, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this, I mean, again, a lot of this is a really is a true story, Um and I, you know, you end up with again in the forties. This bottom line being is that this younger woman, who she's like twenty-two at the time, and this woman is actually the uh, uh, niece of Margaret Sanger. Um, I mean, she's kind of royalty when it comes to feminism, mm-hmm. so it's not so crazy that her way of thinking. And her would mother be, was like some famous suffragette. As yes, well. right. Uh, and so she ends up wanting to work. She wants to work with. Uh, Professor Marston and his wife. As a research assistant. Right. Yeah, and his wife is working with him. She's basically more brilliant than he is. Yes. But she can't get recognized academically because she's a woman. Right. And she's constantly in his shadow, and so she uses him as a way to really conduct research that she's interested in. Right. She kind of uses that, you know, as a means to... I don't know. Not as a means to an end. She really loves him, but she is... uh, working within the system as best she can as a woman who a lot of stuff is stacked against her. Yeah, like she can get a PhD from Rutledge. She can't get it from Harvard, even though she meets all the criteria. Right. Um, like she, Harvard she, won't give it to her. Yeah, they run into Right, and it's because she's a woman. There's all these things that she kind of runs into. But anyway, the uh, young woman, um, Olivia... Olive. She, Olive, yeah. She... She's in love with both of them. Like, she gets to know them through working as a research assistant. With yes, them. she is their student, but she, she does know she knows she knows Mrs. Marston very well. 
like, and she's read her work and everything and thinks that it's brilliant, and she genuinely admires her. Mm-hmm. And she's the first one that she admits her love to and kisses her the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, later on, it becomes... I mean, you know, we don't have to cover the whole plot. People can watch the movie to see that. There's a lot of twists and turns, okay? But eventually, she, you know, then she professes her love for the professor. Um, and it ends up becoming a genuine triad. She gets pregnant by Professor Marston, um, and they all end up living together. Of course, they have Meanwhile, to... he loses his job because yes. they, they get discovered. It's obvious that Yeah, that they are in together. a triad relationship, yeah. right. The Olive, Olive is engaged to a young man, and he breaks it off with her, and he calls her a moral reprobate and sick. I think she more young. breaks it off with him because... Yeah, she's kind of cold. She, she hands him. him the ring because they're getting engaged and she hands him the ring and says yeah we'll see you later mm. you know um, but uh, yeah so that happens and then they run into other various trials and everything that are going on uh, you know in their community and everything when people find out what they do not just that they are in a triad but also that they engage in some really kinky shit where they're tying each other up and you know role playing and doing all this other stuff and during this time you know Marston goes to a He's walking down the street, and he sees this costume shop, and he's asking the proprietor about the costumes, and the proprietor's like, are you a cop? And he interrogates him to find out if he's a cop, and once he's satisfied that Marston is not a cop, he says, come to the back, I have all kinds of shit to show you. Right. And he's got porn, he's got uh, fetish costumes, he's got burlesque kind of wear, uh, boots, I think he even asked Marston, like, are you a devotee of the, the heel or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's basically trying to find out if he's a pervert or if he's a cop. And, and once he's satisfied that he's not a cop, he shows him this whole back room. And so, you know, at the time, it's just hammering the point home that all this stuff is illegal. Not only is it completely frowned upon and looked at as immoral by society, but it's it's actually illegal. Pornographers can get in huge trouble. It's all underground. Right. You know, they they have to do things really secretively. And so people don't have access to information about sex, pornography, uh, let alone, like, where would you even get the idea to, to be in a, a triad relationship? I mean, that's crazy. That's incredibly revolutionary, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, people just don't have a lot of access to information, which makes what they did all the more uh, uh, radical. Yeah. And, I mean, his... So, Professor Marston's wife, I mean, she's, like, very laissez-faire as far as love goes and everything. And it seems like, I mean, there, there was almost a hint of that there had been other relationships... There, there had been other people... There may have, They may have had sort of an open relationship. Yeah, an open yeah. relationship of sorts and everything. So, that's, that's a part of it from the very beginning. Um, yeah, and then all of this, this kink and, you know, all these different things, like... He bases the character of Wonder Woman that he ends up creating. He ends up going to work for DC Comics, pretty much, uh, you know, just to make it simple. And um, and he bases it both on his wife and on Olive. Like he combines the two women into one, and that's that's how he comes up with Wonder Woman. Um, and throughout the movie, there's kind of like this this meta narrative above that that is him getting kind of kind of crucified uh, verbally. By, you know, the the comic, the comic code, you know, the comic authority, the comic book authority, saying that they, you know, look at what you're putting into these comic books. This can't be allowed. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, 
and anyway, everything goes through, you know, I mean, we could talk about, you know, there's drama that goes up and down, but they all kind of end up back together, and uh, he dies a couple of years later. He dies young at 47 of cancer. Something like that, yeah. But Olive and Elizabeth stayed together for another 35 years. Elizabeth lived to be 100 years old. Yeah, and t- I mean, and I think they died in like 85, but they, they ended up a loving relationship that whole time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even being lesbian was risque enough at yeah. the time, certainly. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least in the, you know, in the regular world, shall we say. Uh, so, but this, I, I mean, and there's not really much in the way of nudity in the movie. It's not like it shows you, shows a whole lot of skin or anything like that. No. But there's definitely, I mean, you, you get some, for a conventional term, you get very tastefully done sex scenes. But it is abundantly clear that, yeah, all three of them are stupid, you know. Yeah, and um, that there's, it's love. Yeah, and it's love. In fact, there's beautiful... When they first, like, finally admit to... all Everybody admits to their feelings for each other and everything. There's this beautiful moment where... Um, the wife and Olive are kissing. And then Professor Marston kind of walks... Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. A, a Professor Marston walks in, and they end up... Um, all three of them end up kissing. And then, of course, all three of them end up having sex. You know, uh... And later on in the movie, there's other nice little scenes where you get to see that sort of thing, where, like, the three of them sleep in the same bed. Um, and, there's, and they're all cuddling. And, and they're all cuddling. Cute. And it's just, I mean, it's very sweet. It's adorable, yeah. yeah. It's a very sweet poly relationship being depicted. Yeah, this is in no way a porn, is my point. Yeah, that's right. You know, as, as honestly, as sexy as it is, because there's points where I think it's very sexy, mm-hmm. it is also incredibly sweet, but it is not... And I'm not saying there's a problem with this. I'm just saying, though, but it's not vulgar. It's not, like, they're not terribly, even though there's kind of a spanking scene that happens with, uh, that, that happens <laughs> in a, a sorority house. Scenes, there's yeah. a couple, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think, I mean, this is the thing, is that some of those scenes, I can barely think of the movie, or at least somewhat mainstream movie, or movie that would at least be on the shelf of maybe Walmart or somewhere, that you could buy it or that would be available on Amazon Video or Netflix or whatever where, you know, you would have this beautiful relationship allowed to be the beautiful relationship that it is. You know, you see the three of them kissing, you see them laying down together, you see them having sex and having fun and whatever else. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's unique. I'm sure there's other films out there that I just don't know about. But I thought that was mind-blowing to actually see that. And it was exciting. Like, I was clapping because I was just so excited to finally see this kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of polyamorous relationship really on display in a big way. And especially, I mean, you cheer for it because you know of the time that it was in, you know, that it was in the 1940s. Yeah. Now, I agree. I mean, I think that's something that's really special and something that you don't see often in film. And I liked how how tastefully it was depicted and how many different angles of their relationship you saw. Like, it, it really wasn't about the sex and it wasn't a porn. It was, like, really de- portraying a loving relationship yeah. between three people. And I thought that was really cool. You can't kind of overlook the fact that, uh, you know, Professor Marston was fucking his student. And that is not appropriate. And that is a bit... Sure problematic I'll say the people yeah, problematic, problematic. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean you 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 have to kind of keep that in perspective too but I mean I think you I think he would have called himself a feminist like he definitely had the attitude that women were naturally superior to men and that was written into his psychological books that he wrote and it was in his theory and 
he always sort of treated the women in his life as such. Like he uh, didn't. No, but he says he said women could be the president of the United States. I don't know about that. Like, because there's points in the movie where he explicitly says women should be running things. Right. That's what I just said. Oh, I thought you said that he was saying men were superior. No, I said women. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Play back Please the recording. <laughs> Please continue. No, I said he he has the attitude that that women are superior to men. Right. Um, and and that was completely opposite of everybody what everybody else pretty much thought at the time in the mainstream. Right. So, I don't know. Take it a, take it as a whole. You know, there's a few problematic aspects, I guess, but um, overall, um, it was it was pretty cool. I think I could, you know, and, and this would it get is based in, on a true story too. So. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think this would play into the conventionalism of the time, and I don't need to defend him. I mean, he did. You know, what happened happened. Um, but, like, at the time, 22 was, like, well beyond being considered a grown woman, I imagine, at that time. You know, you're only, like, 20, 30 years removed from when the average, or not the average, but when, like, the legal age to get married was, like, 13. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's a reason we call it the bad old days. You know? Well, right, exactly. That's... So, yeah, but I'm just saying, I don't know, I could almost see where he wouldn't see that as a problem. As much as a feminist, and I mean, and, and he was a person that it's not abs- just the age, though. It's the fact that she was his student. That there was a power dynamic, yes. right? He has yeah, power over enough. her grades, and yeah, future. fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um. So this is definitely, would you say this is overall though a feminist film? I mean, like the characters, the people, the real people that existed were absolutely feminists. Yeah. Um. You know, like the first, like they're you know they're they're OG feminists, frankly. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say it is, sure. Sure, okay. So, yeah, I mean, what what would you give it as far as a ranking? I'm sure you have more to say about it, but what would you give it as far as, let's say, you know, out of a scale to ten? Um, out of ten, I would say, I would give it, um, I would give it like an 8.5 or a 9 out of ten. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I would definitely put it there, too. Yeah. I would put it there, too. Um. And, and I, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way as I do about, like, really how I, I think how subversive this film was and how refresh, refreshing it was mm-hmm. to see this kind of relationship on display. In a quarter mile, Even if it was <laughs> We're on the way to Concord. Yeah. Anyway, uh, even if the movie wasn't, like, perfect, you know, I, I could imagine that, I mean, and this is the funny thing with, with a lot of social theory. 20 years from now, 20 years in the future... People could look back at what we say. Take the I-89 or, south ramp. Or what, um, like what other, I don't know, pick the most feminist podcast in the world today. In a quarter and mile, they, merge onto I-89 south. <laughs> and they would probably say 20 years from now that, oh, there's problems, you know? Like, I mean, this of stuff... Of course, that's the nature of things. Yeah, you, because you things evolve. As you as you grow. And look, there's nothing subversive about fucking your students or fucking your no, professors. No, right, that's right, right. The, nobody's saying that there is. No, yeah. It's it's basically a, you know, kind of a black mark on this whole story. One Maybe one of the only ones. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, there's definitely something subversive about bucking the whole system. I mean, that's like one, that's one definition of love is like, are you willing to go against everything? to be with this person or these people you know are you willing to risk to lose everything to all yours to be ostracized by society to uh you know it's it's you against the world basically yeah two or three against in this case three against the world right i I think that that's awesome yeah 
Yeah. Um, I mean, do you think, like, what happens, you know, if younger women or any woman, like, watches this movie, like, what, what do you think, what can you imagine what maybe the effects would be? Huh. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. It's hard for me to say. I mean, I actually, so... I'm just thinking back to my own childhood, and I say this a lot, but I never saw any depictions of bisexual people in media. Um, It would be nice to actually see somebody who is depicted as being bisexual. Uh, It would be nice to see depictions of lesbianism that are real and loving and not just, like, for the pleasure of men. Yeah. You know, faked faked for the pleasure of men or whatever. Um, And it's nice to see depictions of polyamory that are actually real and don't, like, stereotype it as just, like... Uh, you know, essentially sexual promiscuity. Right. Uh, Loving relationships, families, children being raised by polyamorous families, um, and the discrimination that can happen to polyamorous families as well. What about self-employment, too? You know? Yeah. He loses his job, and he's like, all right, well, fuck it, I'm just going to draw a comic book, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I got some kids to feed now. (laughs) I better come up with something. So, you know, I think there were a lot of things in it that I would have liked to see that I didn't see in media uh, very often when I was when I was growing up. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it would be positive to see that stuff depicted. Yeah. If nothing, if for no other reason than to add diversity to what relationships look like on TV, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially the fact that it didn't necessarily, like, not every part of it necessarily had to be sexual. I mean, there's plenty of points, like, there's there's a fun moment where Olive tells Elizabeth, you know, call into, or like, like kind of teases her into calling into work late, or yes. just calling in so that they calling can... sick so they be, can stay home and fuck. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but that, all of that was just done, I really, I thought it was all done very sweetly, um, and that's rare alone, you know, like even that. But then add everything else on top of it, and, and I think you have a very unique movie um, that puts a lot of things on display that I've wanted on display for Honestly, like, since I was a teenager, frankly. Forever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a very long time, you know. Uh, I mean, I engaged in polyamorous relationships when I was a teenager. I would have I would have lost my shit if there was a movie that, you know, even... I mean, I didn't even know the term, really, at that point, you know. I didn't... Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what polyamory was when I was a teenager, but I always sort of felt like, eh, I don't think I really want just one partner right now. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I, I thought that that was absolutely beautiful, um, and and I think I think the importance of this movie in the future, I, you know, I, I wonder. I, I, I no pun intended, Wonder Woman, but but I, I really wonder just just like how big a deal and how often this movie is going to end up getting talked about um, in the future, where people are going to say, yeah, well, I saw that movie and I was like, you know what? That's the kind of relationship I want, you know, and I could I could really imagine that that kind of thing happening. Yeah. So. Right anyway, on. do you have any other thoughts on the movie? No, that you I'm want glad to get we I'm glad we watched it. I yeah, it was, I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I, I mean, hopefully there'll be more movies like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was know. interesting too because of the history of Wonder Woman, and it's also interesting to think about Wonder Woman and how much it basically got censored and sanitized. Yeah, they talk about that, how... And, and I must have missed this entire, like, era where Wonder Woman didn't have superpowers and they took out a lot of the more BDSM-style stuff. Um, since I... I mean, I've been reading comic books as far back as I can remember, you know, to my earliest memories. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I don't remember, and I'm a, I'm, des- I'm definitely more of a DC Comics guy than I am a Marvel guy, even though I love both, uh, or I used to love Marvel anyway. But I don't remember where she like didn't have her powers and all that stuff. That there was a time, interestingly enough, there was a time frame when uh, one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite people in the world, J. Michael Straczynski, who created Babylon Five, um, he took over the Wonder Woman title. And he actually made her more of like a spy and kind of like changed her outfit and everything from what Will Marston would have, you know, would have created. And ironically, he did that because of feminism. Like he didn't need her, you know, her crop or, or, you know, he didn't need her uh, uh, cleavage, you know, showing all the time and everything and her legs and whatever. And and he wanted to kind of dollar up, which is kind of funny because I mean, like, I guess that's sort of how the wheel turns right, is that now we're to the point where we don't have to show this stuff off so much, perhaps. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what exactly to make of that, but I, I thought that that was interesting. So there was a little bit of a time frame where they, Wonder Woman was changed recently, but that actually, that didn't last long. Um, and I think that that outfit, you know, that was designed, and again, based off of, like, some kind of, you know, primitive version of cosplay and BDSM from uh, from the 1940s, that outfit's so iconic. You just—it's one of those things you kind of grandfather in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For lack of a better term, we're just like, all right, we're we're gonna let that go. Sure. You know, we're we're gonna let that. We're we're gonna we're gonna keep that one in. <laughs> but anyway, um, do we want to get onto another question? Sure. Yeah. All right, let's do it. I think that's good. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, we've got a few questions here. Uh, let's see. We should have said at the beginning of this show, like, this isn't just a review of the movie. Like, we are going to be taking people's questions, too. Yes. Yeah, we will get into your questions. Wouldn't be a relationship rhombus without it, because we love doing listener questions. Exactly. So, okay. Um, here's kind of a heavy one. We've got some fun ones, too. Okay. But here's kind of a heavy one. All right, bring it on. I have a friend who's in an interesting situation that I'd love to hear your take on. This is really long. Feel free to just give your opinion and not read this whole thing. Well, we'll we'll go through it. My friend's 33, single, and has become involved with a married man with kids in his 50s. She's known him for a few years in the theater scene. They're both stage actors. Here's where things get interesting. Several Several years ago, his wife had a stroke, and she's no longer the same person he married. She no longer wants to do any of anything of the things they used to do together. In fact, they don't really do anything together anymore, including sex. She no longer has any interest in sex. They've been to a marriage counselor and haven't been able to make any progress. So he does his own thing, and apparently no one at home really cares, including his kids. They don't ask what he's up to, how he is, etc. I've not met this man, but from what my friend, um, from what my friend tells me, let's see, I. He worships her. She says they have a connection that she's never had with anyone. He actually seems present with her. He listens to her. They've made out and fooled around, but have not had sex. She's in love with him, but she doesn't want to be the other woman or break up a marriage unless he's doing it for himself. She's a smart woman and knows that while things may be wonderful between them now, if they were to get into a more serious relationship, it may not be all sunshine and roses anymore, and she wouldn't want him to regret leaving his family if it ended up not working out between them. She's struggling with how to continue with this relationship, and even if she should, it would be hard for her to completely avoid him since they're both in the local theater scene. She is continuing to date other men and keeps her options open, and he knows that. So what kind of advice would you give someone in a situation like this? Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, wow. Well, so, 
my first thought was, is her friend asking for advice? But she said, yeah, she's struggling with how to continue this relationship or if she should. So, okay, yeah, she wants advice. That's good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I just want to make sure it's consensual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I think that I I feel bad for this guy, right? Because, you know, he married somebody. They had a major stroke. And suddenly that person that he married isn't there anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, they're a completely different person. Now, how did, you know, sometimes people say this and they're really not that different. They've just had a medical issue and they have some disabilities now, but they, they are the same person. Mm -hmm. So has, I wonder if, if the question asker or her friend has met the wife and what are her impressions of the wife? Um, I mean, is is she literally, like, is he caring for her? Is he, like, changing her diapers, that kind of thing? Is he assisting her with walking up and down the stairs and doing activities of daily living? Is it a caregiver situation? Or is it just she's mobile and she can do her ADLs, but she just had a personality change and she's also no longer interested in sex with him? I'm really curious to know more about the situation. But, you know... Of course, it sucks when that happens, right? Like, yeah. However, you do make a promise when you get married to somebody in sickness and in health. And in sickness is when stuff like this starts to come into play, right? You don't... If you make a promise to somebody to stick with them forever, even if they have a health problem, you know, you're supposed to keep that promise. And I don't know. I mean... If she's no longer interested in sex, that's, that is too bad. But, you know, think about it if the tables were turned. If you had a stroke and you couldn't do things and you needed your spouse to take care of you, would you want them to kind of just leave you behind in the dust? I don't think I would. I think I'd want my spouse to, to take care of me. And maybe if I felt like they were taking care of me and I just no longer had any interest in sex, I'd say, hey, you know, you know I really appreciate you supporting me. I, I want to still be a family with you, but, you know, you go ahead and get your sexual needs met somewhere else. I, I feel like that's kind of a fair a fair trade, but I don't know if she has the intellectual capacity to, to do that or what. Sure, you know, sure. It's, it almost sounds like they're just not talking about it, you know what I mean? It, it sounds like things have majorly changed, but they're just not talking about it. Now, another interesting part of that email was the kids. The kids don't care what the dad is doing. They don't talk to him and they don't ask how he's doing or what he's doing. The kids didn't have a stroke, right? They're the same people. Yeah. So why don't they talk to their dad? They must know something weird is going on, right? Or that their parents are fighting or that their parents don't love each other. Like, they must be picking up on something if they're just literally kind of... If they're toning out. Yeah, tuning out. Exactly. So it doesn't exactly sound like it's a very happy family. Um, I'm sure, you know, nobody wants to break up a family, but at this point, is the family already kind of broken up if nobody's talking to each other? I think maybe it is. Um, So the question is, does he want to stay in this kind of companionate marriage and be in, you know, continue things as they are, essentially? Uh, They've tried to fix it with counseling. They haven't been able to fix it, apparently. They haven't made any progress. Does he want to stay and continue things as they are, or does he want to end the marriage? I'm sure he'll still see his kids, you know. Um, Can he even do that if he's taking care of the wife? I don't know. But does he want to end the marriage and maybe start a new relationship with this this other woman? Um, And and in that case, she might become a stepmother to kids that are only a little bit younger than her. (laughs) Right. You know? Uh, That would be weird, right? If his kids are in their teens... 
and she's in her 30s, you know, she's closer to their age than she is to his age. So that's weird. That could be weird for some people. I'm yeah. not saying it can't be overcome, but, you know, that's a possibility. But if they really have that, this great of a connection, you know, maybe that's what they want to do. On the other hand, if he leaves his wife who had a stroke, you know, what happens when, if you have a major, if the friend has a major medical problem? Let's say they get, let's say he gets divorced, they get married, and then she has a medical problem. Is he going to turn around and do the same thing on her? Will she always be afraid of that? You know, so there's there's a lot of questions here. I mean, it's a very complicated situation. Uh, I'm sure she's saying they have a great connection, and I don't doubt that that's true. But could you find somebody who you have a great connection with who has a little bit more simple life situation that isn't kind of that isn't kind of in the midst of uh, a quagmire like this that they really haven't haven't stepped out of? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, again, this is something with, like, a ton of variables, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of questions, really, to ask. Um, you know, I, I hear this, and, I mean, again, we don't know what mental condition that the guy's wife is in. Right. Because I would want to have, like, that conversation. And I feel very uncomfortable anytime. I'd be asked, if I were her, I'd be asking a lot of questions. I would want to meet the wife. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I have a problem anytime, no matter what the health condition is of everybody involved, when there's this, like, don't, you know, don't ask, don't tell yeah, exactly. uh, kind of mentality over having an open relationship or something like yeah. this. Um, I mean, like, I have a real problem with that. Now, I, at the same time, I can understand where some people might find that to be kind of dangerous and sexy because of the danger involved, like, ooh, he's a married man, you know, and, and this kind of thing, or the other way around, where the guy's like, oh, you know, uh, I, I get to, I don't know, sleep around and I don't have to tell anybody, or, you know, whatever that, whatever way, whatever direction that goes. Right. Um, but, yeah, I have a real problem with, with that kind of setup. Right. Where, where everybody involved, everybody that it impacts doesn't know, and honestly, that includes the kids. Yeah, because um, it affects them a lot, I'm sure. I mean, what? I'm really curious about this wife, because, like, if she is independent, if she's able to do her own, like, to take care of herself, and she's not dependent on him for care, Yeah. yet she's not interested in having sex with him, like, is she having affairs? Is she sleeping around? Does she well, want she to Well, she apparently doesn't want to have sex anymore. That's what she I doesn't want to have question. sex with him, but we don't know if she doesn't want to have sex at all. I thought it, it sounded like it was sex at all, but... Regardless, yeah, sure. Well, we don't know. I yeah. mean, that's an assumption, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm curious about her. Does she is she having affairs? Is she? Why doesn't she want to get divorced? Is it because she's dependent on him, or is it because, you know, she she thinks that he still loves her and he would be hurt if they got divorced? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Or is it because of the kids? Yeah, I mean, and I guess you know to to, to kind of. Uh, uh, play off the way what you were talking about earlier Stephanie like the idea of like what if it was me mm-hmm. um, like if it was I mean and, and I, I guess I can never really know how I'd feel after a stroke because that can really change I mean that can really affect somebody's mentality mm-hmm. you know you kind of can come out of that a different person um, but right now you know if I if for whatever reason I couldn't sexually please my partner Considering at least me, how important I think sex is, 
um, I would absolutely allow them to, or, you know, I would say, I would say it's okay not to allow them, but I would say, yeah, go ahead, you know, like, get with other people, and, you know, stay with me, I love you still, but, like, get with other people and get your rocks off or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. Um, that, that's, that's the way that I would be about it. Uh, but, yeah, you just don't know with, with this. Um, again, the, as far as advice, the best advice is there's like, sounds like there's another two or three people that need to be asked about how they feel about the relationship that yeah. these two stage actors have. Yeah. Okay. And they're not being asked. Yeah. The uh, kids and they're not being talked the to. The kids and the wife. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my thought on it. Um, and don't, do not take the guy's word for anything. In two miles, you take know. the I-93 south exit toward Manchester, Boston. Woo! On the way to Liberty Forum. <laughs> uh, what else you got on that, Stephanie? Anything you wanted to, anything further you wanted to share there? Um... To me, it sounds like, and this is easy for me to say because I'm not in it, but yeah. to me, it sounds like more than I would want to deal with personally in a relationship. More complication, more uh, potential potential for uh, unethical behavior, let's just say. Um, you know, I could easily imagine this guy just being a dog, you know, and, and he's just trying to have his cake and eat it too. Right. Know? And he's not being very in tune with his kids. That's yeah. the thing that really tipped me off. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this guy. <laughs> yeah, it, that that would be like an easy, easy pattern that that this could really be. Yeah. Um, sure. So, my okay. advice would be would be break it off. Don't see him anymore. You know, you have this amazing connection. You're going to see each other in the industry, but just keep it professional. Keep dating. You know, find someone else. Yeah. There's plenty of people out there who don't have this complicated situation hanging over their head. Yeah. And you can have a great connection with them, too. Yeah, like, I mean, in, in my experience, you know, it, it's something I, I look for, not just because I work out or whatever, or, you know, not just because fitness is, like, a big deal to me, but, like, I, I do wonder about, like, medical conditions, um, you know, like, of potential partners and everything, you know, because, I mean, that's, those are responsibilities you're taking on. There's nothing wrong with taking them on, but I think it's good to be aware of that and understand that those can be stressors and challenges, and maybe, you know, those are things you don't want to have to deal with. And look, this, you know, this what is, you know, no matter no matter how secretive, you know, your potential relationship is, she's a part of it. Right. Unavoidably. Oh, yeah. You know, so you have to consider, how do you feel about that? And I thought that your point, Stephanie, that, wow, like, if this guy is just... You know, again, if you don't know how she really feels about it, this guy's just willing to sleep around just because you do, you know, you're not, like, his wife isn't meeting some need of his. That's some pretty questionable behavior. Oh, I think he'll be, I think he would be, it sounds like he would be perfectly happy with an affair. Staying married to his wife, not talking to her about any of the issues, but staying married, not telling his kids, you know, having a secret relationship with her as his piece on the side his much younger piece on the side. Right. <laughs> right. And she'll never... Meanwhile, he'll never be able to marry her because he's already married. He'll never be able to fully commit to her because he's already got a family. Right. And his, his family's going to probably come first if his wife needs him or his kids need him. And he's not going to get divorced. So I think he I think he just wants to kind of have, have a side piece yeah. to meet his sexual needs. And that's not a real relationship for her. Maybe she was, she's going to want more than that. 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And his wife probably might want more than that, too. <laughs> sure. She might not want a husband who's checked out because he's having an affair with another person. Yeah, yeah, right. And lying about it. Yeah. No, I think that's those are the points to hit on it. Um, Want to move on to another question? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... The audio might just suddenly sound very different now that very we're going different. to this other. Oh yeah, in, <laughs> oh, yeah. in the best way. <laughs> now that we're going to this other question, uh, a couple other questions at least. So um, awesome. We're uh, wouldn't be a rhombus without like no. Do, doesn't a rhombus have at least have four sides? Yes, so okay. you got to do like four things, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we're. Um, <laughs> We're in a hotel room right now. We're on location. <laughs> We're on location in bed. In bed. <laughs> Completely in bed. Like literally in bed. And uh we're gonna we're gonna finish this baby up. Oh yeah. So <laughs> And these uh these questions You're might... all in bed with us, actually. Yeah, there you go. You're all we're, it's well it's, it is a giant king size bed. This is really There's something. room, you yeah. know. There's okay. it's roomy. All right. So uh let's see. Let's do this one. What's the next question? This is, so, I've heard Brian say in the past that Vermont is the only state in the U.S. that technically allows you to walk around outside naked. In the real world, no one would probably be allowed to do that, of course, but how do you feel about nudism slash naturism? Do you think people should be allowed to do that, or that it's some kind of natural state, even when a lot of people probably want to wear clothes? What about obese people? What do we do about guys walking around with boners? Or people potentially touching erogenous zones in the open? So That's a good question. I like... That's very good. Yeah. So, well, first the thing about Vermont. Um, okay. I, that is actually not a Vermont state law, as far as I know. Uh-huh. It's like a town in Vermont or like a county or something right where there's a specific naked activist who goes and like rides a little scooter around naked in the summertime (laughs) and everyone's just like oh yeah that's Bob he does that every year Uh and of course in Vermont you know the climate is such that there's really only it's really only like July and August where you can actually do that and be be comfortable so the problem is self-limiting Bob goes away for the winter you know (laughs) right 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 so I, I think it's actually like a city ordinance in like a specific town in vermont or a specific city if you yeah yeah but anyway yeah I no mean, i think you're right yeah I, I mean you know you can get away with skinny dipping in in public parks and stuff not public parks uh state parks mm-hmm. like if if there's privacy you know yeah yeah um but but yeah i'm other than that you know you have to go to like a specific nudist or naturist resort or camping ground or whatever yeah in order to get away with being naked in public <laughs> um so wouldn't most people want to wear clothes was part of the question right yeah uh yes i think most people do want to wear clothes and we have clothes for a reason because they protect us from the elements right sure, sure. um but there are certain situations where the weather is just perfect for being naked and you know, if you don't want to wear clothes, then then you shouldn't have to. I mean, also clothes protect you from bugs, from dirt getting in areas, you know. Yeah. Uh, and not all clothes. Clothes are a way of expression, too, or a way of expressing yourself, you know. Um, for example, like if everybody was walking around naked, it's almost like a school uniform. It's like you don't have any clothes that for people to judge you by. 
And yeah, but isn't couldn't that almost be seen as an advantage? I mean, like as a good thing? Yeah, absolutely it could because yeah. it, it kind of equalizes everybody and humanizes everybody, right? We all have the same birthday suit under more or less yeah. underneath our clothes. But also, you know, some people really enjoy using clothing as a way of expressing their, their sense of sure, fashion or style. Sure, right. It's an artistic thing. And right. so I think that should be uh, acknowledged, too, in any discussion about naturism, uh-huh. you know? Um, of course, there's art you can put on your skin, like tattoos. Some people use tattoos as a means to express themselves or yeah. hairstyles or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I could see, like, people putting on, like, some pretty wild, uh, I don't know, like, I mean, people could paint themselves, frankly. Oh, yeah, Or they paint, could wear, yeah. you know, like, some kind of, I don't know, tassels around their arms or mm. something like that. Um, Jewelry. I mean, yeah, I think there's ways to do that without, like needing the stigma of people wearing clothes sure i don't yeah. know if stigma is the right word but yeah or the the, the cultural norm of mm-hmm. people wearing clothes you know like that can be done i think in a in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but sure that's fair yeah yeah now what about obese people what about them <laughs> i mean if you want to be a naturist or a nudist uh, you're going to have to get used to seeing all different kinds of bodies, you know. Which I think is a beautiful thing. Like, I, Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I think that's wonderful. Um, Me too. Like, so I guess to answer really first, you know, the question of should, should people be allowed to, like, and I'm guessing maybe kind of the point here is, okay, most people want to wear clothes. Like, if tomorrow suddenly it was legal or Mm -hmm. it was, or there wasn't a law that said you couldn't walk around naked. Mm -hmm. You know, like how would you feel just walking around naked? You know, even Um, though most people want to wear clothes. I wouldn't do it because of harassment and because of creepy, unwanted attention from men. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's the thing. And I think that kind of answers the obese thing too, because this, I think naturism or nudism, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're more or less the same thing. I think, um, I think it really requires a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people really have to think about things differently um, overall mm-hmm. because, yeah, you're going to, I mean, because otherwise, you're, I mean, look, you know, you can talk about people being nude, having boners. You're going to have guys, you know, with full clothing on that are going to have boners because for the, you know, they're going to see like women walking around nude perhaps and they've never seen that before mm-hmm. or, you know, not, I mean, they've you seen it before, it. but, you know, it would be, that would be a very new experience. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think people obviously should be able to, because I can't imagine why the fuck you'd, like, how, why, it's ridiculous that it can even be banned, you know? Yeah. And that there's even a law against it. Um, you know, I was just thinking, like, don't you think people would adjust to it pretty quickly? I mean, like... If a lot of people did it, yes. If it's just a few freaks, or quote-unquote freaks, I mean that in a good way, no. Well, okay, for, but for example, take like the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco, where people are walking around in kink garb. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are semi-nude sure. um, or topless or whatever. I mean, I don't think everyone there is walking around with a boner. Yeah, maybe they would get used to get one. I don't yeah, know. I mean, maybe, maybe they would. What happened in Victorian England when women suddenly started wearing fewer petticoats and showing their ankles? Did 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 all the men just walk around with boners? I I don't think so. I think they get used to it. I think you know people could be shocked, perhaps, but I think if you're just if you're out in public, then I I don't think you're going to necessarily become aroused. You yeah, know I mean? may, maybe it would. Maybe they would get used to it very quickly. Yeah. 
And yeah, because I can imagine. I yeah yeah. Now that I think about it, I can imagine where like some people who would want to be crass about it or something. Mm-hmm. Like after you pass the tenth or twelfth person that's nude, mm-hmm. you're gonna get sick of. It. Like you're you're gonna you know why why continue to be crass because you're not getting any reaction out of it and it's right. like kind of meaningless. And as for what do we do about you know naked men walking around with boners who are exhibitionists? Mm-hmm. Well. I mean, that's also a self-limiting problem. Like, even if someone is turned on by being nude mm-hmm. and gets a boner mm-hmm. and it offends people, well, they, they're they not going to literally be walking around with a boner all day, every day, 24-7. Yeah. You right. know, it's it can't, it can't, that's not sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to take, take care of itself, too. Right? I mean, it, eventually a person who is naked is just going to adjust to being naked and they're not going to be able to maintain that kinky state of arousal forever yeah right and so the eventually it'll just be normal like they're not like like they have clothes on uh like they don't have a boner most of the time yeah so like about people touching erogenous zones in public out in the open this is a tough i think this is tough um because like well, if they're if it's unwanted touching of erogenous zones, that's sexual assault. Well, of course, right. Um, if right. it's wanted touching, um, you know, is it so different than what we do right now? People kiss in public. People, you know. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, like if everybody's walking around nude, like does that does suddenly like like touching a dick or rubbing parts or something like like is that is that the same thing as a kiss? Is that equate a kiss? I don't know. Like, how I, mean, does that change? I think people have boundaries where even with their lover or partner, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you might grab your lover's butt in public, but you're not going to grab their dick or their boobs. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's true. Yeah. Even though you could very well, what's stopping you? Well, it's kind of like social mores. So I, I don't know. I think they would still be in placed in, in a hmm. place where nudism or naturism was more common. What about on the beach? Do people just grab each other boobs? No. Uh, I, no. Hopefully I, you really not. don't see a lot of fondling yeah. of genitalia and yeah, grass yeah, yeah, yeah. on the beach. Yeah. And that's a semi nude situation. So right. I th- I feel like I'm making a good pretty good case for that the world that the sky wouldn't fall, that there wouldn't be anarchy if no, I think you are too. widespread nudism. Yeah, no, I th- I think you are too. <laughs> so I mean my, like myself, like I'm I'm totally a fan. Like I'd I'd be you know, right on board with that. There's a million times you know, a year, I mean, that I can think of, you know, and I say a year because it includes all seasons where like, I really wish that I could just, you know, walk around, um, nude, you know, like I could go outside, I could get the mail nude and, you know, or at least I could step out the door nude. And I mean, it's, it's fucking annoying that like, I can't just do that and that I have to put on clothes. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I can appreciate that, but I th- I think you hit it, Stephanie. I think you're right. I I think maybe the sky the sky wouldn't fall, you know. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm reminded of when you were you and I were on Free Talk Live. Uh-huh. I I I remember we had like this really it was a major conversation that had to do with like if you, if you're walking past like a person's window. Oh. And you see people fucking, yeah, like in there, like is that indecency? You know, mm-hmm. because their windows they're open. They're on private property. They're on private property. You know, okay, <laughs> so their windows open, but then like, can you tell them, okay, you have to close your window if you're going to get naked in your house? Like, I, 
I mean, I, I don't think we ever came to like a, a, a stern resolution on that. Um, yeah. Uh, well, okay. If, if the, if they're fucking in and their windows open during the day, yeah. you're not going to be able to see in without some effort if it's brighter outside yeah. than it is inside. So yeah. problem solved. But if it's at night and they're fucking and the lights are on yeah. and you can look in, um, you know, you've got some exhibitionists on your hands because obviously they know what they're doing. Um, so either you don't look in their window or you look in their window and enjoy it with them and participate in their kink. <laughs> or you take find a different route home. I don't, I, I don't think they they automatically are exhibitionists. Like I don't. Uh well, it's likely that they would figure yeah, it out. You know, yeah. if they didn't want to be fucking in front of the window. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's part of the reason that, or like that kind of problem, is where I think I think uh, uh, nudism and naturism, like that, that's where I wouldn't mind if it was normalized. You, you know. Uh, because you want to walk down the street and see people fucking in the No, window? because that way it's not a problem. Like, like I remember there was a... Well, in, it could in, still be a problem even if nudism was... Yeah, I mean, then change the game. Because, cause like, in New York, there was a, there was a huge court case mm-hmm. that had to do with, like... And it was in the city that I lived in, not New York City either. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a guy was watching porn while he was driving around town. You know, he had a little screen in his van... And and there was like porn playing on the screen, you know what I mean? And, wow! And you can say that well, he's not supposed to have a screen or anything like right While there. He's driving, but, yeah. Um, but that wasn't what the case was really about. It's about wait a minute, can he watch porn and can he have like the audio and all that shit playing and going around and stuff? And you can say, well, the guy's just being an asshole. Okay, fine. But we, you know, as much as some of us may be annoyed by it, we do have the right to be assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, was he doing something wrong? You know? Wow. No, I don't think he was He was doing something wrong. I mean, don't people listen to... Uh, people are blasting, like, you know, music that has sexual themes in it. Sure, And there sure. might be kids listening or who, whatever. Sure. You know, and you do, obviously you can roll up your windows. You don't have to look in his car. Right. And the fact is, is that if he was playing We Were Soldiers or um, Saving Private Ryan or something like that, oh, yeah. no one would have no blinked would an care. eye. You know, nobody would have given a shit. They'd probably call him Patriot. Yeah, exactly. They probably would have clapped for him or something. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is just one of those areas where I think that there's there's a lot of double standards. Yeah. And, and it's it's an area where I think I'd like it to be allowed. That way those double standards could hopefully die. You yeah. Know, because you'd get a lot of... I mean, you already have activists that are into... that are you know, trying to put a stop to this shit, but. Well, absolutely. But, you know, there's, there's another thing we have to separate out too, Mm -hmm. which is that we have to be really careful not to conflate nudity and sex. Right. Because nudity is not always sexual. Well, yeah, that's a changed mindset. Yeah. I was talking about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it can be sexual. Right. Like the people that say, I remember during free the, the whole free the nipple thing where people were trying to get, be on the beach topless mm-hmm. and there were, you know, some lawsuits and court cases because of that. People were saying, oh, breasts are not sexual. You know, they're not they're not sexual organs. I, I wish everybody would stop sexualizing breasts. And it's like, well, that's really a disingenuous argument because breasts can be sexual. They're right. not always, but they can be. Right. You know, it's but it's you know, they're it's not all the time. So nudity, the same thing with nudity. Nudity can be sexual, but it, it's not always sexual. Yeah. And 
it's important to draw a distinction between the two because I think there are people who who say, yeah, oh yeah, it would be great if nudity were more commonplace and that we could just, you know, hang out naked with no big deal. But it's an entirely different thing to be putting on a live porno show and fucking naked yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of your window versus just stretching naked or doing naked yoga or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's all, that's very true, you know? I mean, at the same time, like, sex, I don't think should really be seen as, like, abhorrent or something that should be necessarily censored or things like that but but I, I hear what you're saying yeah I mean I think the only reason I agree sex shouldn't be something that's abhorrent mm-hmm. um, but even adults might not necessarily always want to see sex yeah sure you know they might not always be in the mood for it or whatever sure, sure. right then and for children I think you could argue that you know, um, sometimes kids can see stuff that they're not really ready for or they don't understand and it can fuck them up a little bit. Yeah. Especially if they have no one to talk to about it or, you know, they, yeah. they're confused or whatever. Yeah. I think over time, like any of the stuff getting normalized, I mean, eventually would be normalized. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, I even remember, boy, and this is in the 90s. I remember like it was at least as teenagers anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, it was potentially, like, I knew gals that didn't want to, uh, and this is fine, it's their call. But, you know, like, the idea of kissing in public mm. was, like, oh, you don't do that. Mm. You know, you don't kiss in public and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and that they were taught that by their parents. Mm. You know, that that was bad. Um, obviously, I, or I hope, I think that's gone out the window by now. Like, I can't imagine anybody getting mad about that. Mm. But, um, okay, let's change questions. So, well, did we answer uh, the question? I I think so. Do you think that question asker was pro nudity or anti nudity? I can't really tell. Yeah, I can't tell either. It's it's kind of it's very (laughs) down the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't know, like the erogenous zone thing. I don't know if like if people just start like rubbing each other in those places, and I seriously doubt it. Yeah, yeah, because they don't do it now, but they could. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. The clothing isn't what's stopping them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm pro nudism. I'll just put it that way. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm uh, neutral on nudism. You're neutral. Yeah. Okay. Neutral. Neutral. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go for this one. And some of this I'm actually not going to answer, but uh, you know, make sure that it's known that I will. Um, since this is February, maybe you can give the history of Valentine's Day, how it became such a commercial "quote unquote" holiday, and maybe you know some of of some equivalent celebrations from ancient Rome or Greece. Oh. Also, would love your thoughts on the story of Lysistrata. Uh, so, okay, um, I'm not. I, I don't think we have time. To go into like the history of Valentine and Stephanie's falling asleep. So <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, uh, <laughs> just I'm just I'm just comfortable. Okay, uh, I'm falling asleep. <laughs> You're having a very stimulating discussion. Don't about fall nudity. asleep yet, but anyway. no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Um, relaxing. Yeah, but uh, ooh. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're rubbing your Rogers. Yeah. Our feet. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I'm not going to give like a history of Valentine's Day here, but I am going to do an episode where I talk about that. Uh, in fact, it might even be a part of a Sovereign Tech Prime. I might decide to do that, which I've done that in the past. Oh, cool. Um, like where I've idea. talked about like Lupercalia, the yeah. Lupercalia, which is kind of the original 
um, uh, holiday for, for this season, as it were. Um, and there, there's some others too, but that's kind of the, the big one that I think a lot of people point at, which is really interesting. Um, but I do want to talk about Valentine's Day in general with you, Stephanie, and, sure. and we can talk about the story of uh, Lysistrata, uh, which is an ancient Greek play mm. that, well, we'll talk about the abstract of it. I think okay. that's what's particularly interesting. But anyway, but uh, all right, first let's talk about Valentine's Day. What, I mean, what do you think about Valentine's Day? Do you think it's bullshit? Do you enjoy it? I mean, like, like what's, what's your hot take on, on yeah. Valentine's Day? <laughs> um. I mean, I think it makes a lot of people feel bad mm. um, because they're single. If they're single. Yeah. yeah, right, right. I think it f- makes a lot of people feel left out. And honestly, when I've had great partners like, like you, Brian, every day feels like Valentine's Day. It's yes. a celebration of love. Thank and you. you don't need an excuse to celebrate love. You can just enjoy each other every day. You don't need a... I, I, I feel like you shouldn't need a reminder to to celebrate your love once a year and if you need a reminder and you're only celebrating it once a year maybe there's a a problem Mm -hmm. you know what i mean (laughs) yeah right right uh i know there's anniversaries and stuff like that but yeah i i I think it makes a lot of people feel bad and i don't like that how how bad my single friends feel on valentine's day sure and i also don't like the pressure and expectation it puts on a lot of people like there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, I hate Valentine's Day. Men and women, you know? Yeah. Men are usually like, oh, my God, my wife wants me to get her some kind of chocolates or flowers, and I'm just sick of this shit. I yeah. have to do this every year, and it's overpriced. And then the women are like, oh, God, it's Valentine's Day again. Like, oh, he's going to think I want him to get me flowers and chocolates, <laughs> and he's going to get resentful. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they get into it. I don't know. But, uh... Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never been one for sort of traditions and holidays as an anti-traditionalist myself. Yeah. You know? I, I've never been super into that, but um, I don't know. I mean, I could live without Valentine's Day, but I, excuses to celebrate love, that's great. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, it doesn't have to be February 14th, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I already got you your Valentine's Day gifts. I got yes. you your little bat bag. I got you your uh, stripper pole. Yes. <laughs> I got you. I think there's some other things. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I I don't mind it. I don't mind that it exists. Yeah. You know, and I, I rather, when it comes up, I usually will talk about the, you know, the more pagan or the more ancient versions of the holiday like Lupercalia. Oh, in my mind, the best way to celebrate it is with sex stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the best gift you could give or get. Or yes. <laughs> yeah, all the way. Um, you know, I've definitely been one of those guys, and I don't know if it's because of my... Uh, <laughs> My ethnicity or upbringing of just being a cheap bastard. But, um, like, I used to be really big on, no, 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 let's go on the 13th, you know, or let's yeah. go on the 15th. Yeah. You know, let's let's go out then. Because, you don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Yeah, because, I mean, everywhere you go, it's like an hour wait time, oh, you yeah. know, to get in, or you have to have a reservation. Like, I mean, and people have no idea, like restaurants in New York City, what it takes to to reserve for valentine's day oh. is outrageous mm-hmm. you know and, and and it's really stupid like i mean there's there's no call for that especially since yeah getting into the sexual stuff's way more fun anyway mm. um so yeah it's just one of those ones that i that i don't mind but uh, 
you know, if you're somebody that really has a problem with it or like has issues where like, or I think even like if you, if you're not one for flowers, you know, or if you're not one, or if you're a guy that's like, yeah, you know, we could do something else or something like that. I, I think that's actually a very healthy thing in our present culture to like talk about pretty early on in the relationship because your expectations for Valentine's day. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that might sound weird, but. I don't know. Like I, we talked about that early on in our relationship, and we were on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it can. Some people take it really fucking seriously, and you better know about that ahead of time. Otherwise, right. you know, you're going to create a fight. It's either a fight before, or you know, and then you can learn forever mm-hmm. if it ends up being a fight um, or an argument. Or you can have that argument on Valentine's Day when you drop the ball, based upon what the other person wanted. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's. Yeah, I'll I'll get into the history of all that um, in an, in another episode because it is pretty fascinating. It is pretty interesting when you know the history of it. You kind of want to throw it away, but um, or well, depending upon what what version you go by. Anyway, uh, the story of Lysistrata, which is this ancient Greek epic that has to do with a woman who she wants to put an end to the Peloponnesian War, mm. okay, in ancient Greece. And she, the way she figures out to do this is that she convinces, effectively convinces, like, a bunch of her friends, or not a bunch of her, but she convinces, like, the women in her area, stop sleeping with the soldiers, tell them, you won't, you won't fuck until this war's over. Ooh. You know? Now, this is something... And basically what I want to talk about is the abstract, mm-hmm. that abstract idea of like active, the, the idea of withholding sex as activism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like at first blush, you know, and I'm, I'm very familiar with this play. Um, like I, you know, I, I, I love the sound of it and I'll explain more, but I love the idea of it where it's like, okay, yes. And I, and I've talked about this before where, you know, if people would stop sleeping with policemen, soldiers, and, you know, all these other, you know, uh, uh, murderers that happen to have a badge or a uniform, um, you know, who knows what could change. The problem I have with saying that, though, is that that's putting, like, the responsibility for these wars and for all this other bullshit on women, mm-hmm. that they're the ones that have to solve it. And right. that's... I think that's completely unfair and and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd love it if the world, you know, if if it, if we were in a world where and and look, there's gay people, bisexual people, so it shouldn't just be women anyway. Mm-hmm. I'd love if we were in a world where everybody thought that you know the idea of somebody being in those professions of violence was just so disgusting that they'd never get in a relationship with them. Like as soon as they said, Oh yeah, I'm in the military. Oh yeah. I'm in the police force and all that stuff. You'd just be like, oh, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I don't know. I mean, so what, what do you think about that kind of activism? You know, I mean, and that happens today. Like this gets done in middle Eastern countries all the time where, you know, I mean, you, you can read news stories now where people are like setting up like in Turkey where they're setting up to, uh, you know, women are, are are banding together and saying, we're not going to sleep with you until you stop this bullshit, you know. It's some kind of war? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to look up the specifics of what the situation is, because mm. sometimes it's for multiple situations. I mean, 
the biggest war that's been going on since the beginning of time is like violence against women. Oh, sure. And women haven't stopped that because there's women still sleep with men. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to work. I think the cartel is going to break. I mean, unfortunately, I would I would love it, too, if people were repulsed by people who are in professions of violence. But mm-hmm. it actually seems like it's the opposite, where that's a turn on for a lot of people. Yeah. And for whatever reason they they are actually attracted to people who wield power like that so um i think it's going to be really hard to get the problem with cartels is they always break right yeah right right. somebody always breaks it right uh somebody's gonna somebody's gonna go back on the agreement and if not then maybe the soldiers will just start fucking each other well (laughs) right Or, or they'll just start raping people I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Sadly, the, I think I historically that's them. exactly what would happen. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. So you think that that it would? I think it's unrealistic. It's unrealistic. Expect. It's never yeah. going to work, yeah. especially if a woman is married or something to a soldier. Yeah, you know, is really is she going to torpedo her own relationship because she wants to like do her part to stop the war? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think her alliance realistically would be more with her husband, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I suppose it's a nice idea, but at the same time, I don't know. Just going to be really difficult to coordinate. <laughs> but I mean, you can always, in your own personal life, you know, if you're a woman and you don't like the idea of violence, you can always just pledge not to fuck any cops or whatever, you know, and you can pledge not to be with anybody who is violent in their profession or in their personal life. You know, if you want to stop violence against women, yeah, seek out partners who are exceedingly gentle and would never do violence to you. Right. And, you know, you've stopped it in your own life, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that, that that kind of thing, I mean, again, in my wildest dreams, yes, you know, men and women would be appalled by people that take on these professions, mm-hmm. you know, and by people in these professions. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really ever see that necessarily happening. Mm. So, but I mean, because that education, that mindset of being appalled by that, I mean, that's, just, you know, it's not how we, we grow up, yeah. Well, it's not how we grow up, but also, like, just that education alone would would likely be enough for people to, um, you know, you wouldn't have to withhold the sex. They could just realize, holy shit, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and I know, yeah, I've been exactly. there. I was in the military, and I realized eventually, like, wow, this is, like, I this is not okay, right. you know, what I'm doing. Um, or you can look back on it and say, wow, I was, that was not that was not all right. That was terrible, you know? Yeah. Um, but what so, if, I know this isn't how you came to that conclusion, but sure. But what if, what if a soldier was uh, brought to the conclusion that uh, what he was doing was wrong through love? You know? Oh, because someone loved him? Yeah, because someone loved him. <sighs> yeah, Maybe. Yeah, I I could see that. I mean, I see that's the thing. Like you can we we have this mindset, I think, that when someone is capable and like capable as in proficient mm-hmm. at violence that you feel safe with them. Mm-hmm. That safety gets con- that that 
gets construed with, I think gets misconstrued with actual safety mm-hmm. and safety is, is a part of love, you know, like that feeling of being, feeling safe with somebody else is a part of love. And so I think that there's a lot of confusion, um, in, in that. And that's sad because you can replace violence with love. You can replace it with business. You can replace it with, you know, trade. You can, there's all these different things you can do that can create an interaction with other humans and, and, you know, create win-win or, I mean, maybe even some kind of win-lose, but whatever that can create, you know, these scenarios that people often run to the gun or, you know, run to violence, um, to try and solve. And I, I don't know. I don't know if a soldier, like, I, I don't know if somebody with that mindset would see love as like, like if they could come to the realization that, oh no, I don't actually need to do this anymore. I don't need to be in this. Um, I just want to, you know, love this person. Granted, you know, I may have heard stories or known people, um, or shall I say, uh, friends of friends, perhaps that, you know, they'd find some Arab gal and they'd go run off, you know, Mm. fall off a wall and they, they'd be done. You know, because maybe they felt they found the love of their life or something like that. Uh, so I guess maybe, yeah, that could happen. You're right. That that could possibly happen. So maybe that's not, maybe the, the, the tale of Lysistrata isn't exactly uh, the best solution. Is it? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's kind of fictional. Well, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that people aren't really trying it, mm-hmm. you know, out there. And I, I, they are. So, Okay. Well, I, I think that kind of answers that one. Um, you want to do one more? Sure. Okay. All right. We'll uh, we'll just shorten it. Um, okay. Yeah. Actually, I mentioned this one to you earlier. So, showering together, <laughs> <laughs> couples yes. showering, or at least couples, um, good or bad. Like, what do you think? Good or bad? Well, I mean, it's a personal preference, obviously. Sure. Um, I enjoy showering with you, Brian. Yeah, we actually do shower yeah, together. And I, I think that maybe that's how the question came up because I've talked about that, I'm pretty sure, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I did that, that Periscope episode from In, from in the Shower. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I showed off as like, it's like, yeah, notice there's two heads in here. <laughs> two shower heads. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it's a personal preference. But uh, yeah, I mean, some people prefer to be alone in the shower. Sure, I've had partners who preferred to be to shower alone. Sure, and um, yeah, I mean, it is actually a lot harder to fit two people under one shower head. Yeah, you know, yeah. so sometimes it's for practicality. But if you get a double one, you can both fit in the shower at the same time, and that's mm-hmm. nice. Um, I don't know what else is there to say about it. Yeah, no, I. Some people think it takes away the mystery when you see your partner. Like, have you ever heard this advice before? It's in, like, marriage books and, like, women's magazines where they say, oh, you know, the key to a happy relationship is separate bathrooms, right? You got to oh. keep the mystery. Don't let your partner see you, like, grooming yourself. And, you know, they they should be wondering how you make yourself look so pretty. And I think that is complete bullshit, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can get so mysterious, like... You get so mysterious that you're not talking about anything, that you're not sharing intimacy, that you're missing out on opportunities to spend time together and be close. And 
I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not really for that. Not, not really a fan of that personally. Yeah, I can appreciate like showering alone that like it's really a time where you get to be in your own head. Mm-hmm. and you know it's a peaceful time and as long as you're not bringing in your waterproof phone or something with you that like it's time away from screens and everything like it can be a really beneficial time a lot of people talk about how they get their best ideas when they're in the shower mm-hmm. and if if you're showering together or with someone else or multiple people you know however that's working out um often enough yeah you might lose that that time but at the same time, like you and I, I mean, we, you know, we shower together mm. and I think we come up with like some of our best stuff. But I mean, that's, you know, we're thinking together in the shower mm. and it's a time when we can kind of check in and be peaceful and, you know, and talk with each other. So I guess there's advantages maybe both ways. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but like that's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have such a strong opinion on it. I mean, I I agree, Brian. Like, when we're in the shower together, Mm -hmm. sometimes we're kind of companionably silent and just kind of thinking our own thoughts. But then usually one of us will at least will say, like, hey, what do you think about this? I just was thinking of this. Yeah. You know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we've had some of, like, our most epic conversations in in the shower. Oh, yeah. a lot of good good ones. Yeah, I mean, like, really, really really epic stuff. Yeah. you know, like the kind of the big stuff, and I, I think it's the, the like the stuff that people think we talk about all the time. Because <laughs> we've had so many people come up to us, it's like you two must have the most epic conversations. Oh, we yeah. do in the shower. Yeah, <laughs> and then we kind of do. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> we 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 do talk about the big stuff some, sometimes. The the you know the big questions the of morality, of philosophy, life. the meaning of life, and yes. all that. Yeah. That does happen there. It's true. But it happens in the bed, too, like right now. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Sometimes we record it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I think I think showering together often is fine. I think, you know, do, doing all that, 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 can be a, that can be a lot of fun, you know? Unless you really have that strong preference of where you really want to be alone in the shower, then fine. Um, but, I don't know. I think a lot of times that desire for alone time from like a partner mm-hmm. has more to do with like if you have kids, you want to be alone from the, you know, you mm. want to be like alone from everybody, mm. like because no. you just never have that moment of yeah. peace. That's yeah. that's kind of what I think more goes on there, but yeah. that's just my opinion. I, I actually agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I can't like, let's see. I mean, <laughs> like if someone comes up to me, granted, there's never only two options, but if someone comes up to me and says, Okay, do you want to take a shower alone or do you want to take a shower with a smoking hot woman, you know, like in there with you? <laughs> uh, gee, which one am I going to choose, you know? Right. And uh, obviously I'm going to choose to, to take a shower with a smoking hot woman and I just so happen to regularly do that. <laughs> so, <you laughs> but anyway... Um, yeah, so I think that's all there is to say about that. I mean, it's easy enough to install a second head, a second a second shower head, even if it's meant to be like a single. Yeah, you know, um, stooping in a, in a shower, you really do have to have like a good size shower for that. Like you got to have a shower kind of meant for yeah, that. Yeah, it can get tricky, especially yeah. if you use lube and it gets on the floor. Yeah, you know. and if I mean, if you're like little people, maybe mm-hmm. it kind of works, but I don't know. Yeah. It can be so tough. I find a lot of the standing up positions to be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. You really got to... There's a lot of a lot of biology and body type that's got to match up to where <laughs> to like to where that that sort of stuff is really practical. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but anyway, 
So how about we wrap it up with that? I think that was kind of a fun one. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and uh, we can, you know, now we can have some fun or go to sleep or something. Yeah, well, and, now we'll have our alone time. Yeah. We'll let them figure <laughs> out the mystery and that. I hope I remember to turn off the microphone here. But anyway, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you better. Well, I don't want them to hear us snoring. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, thank you, Sovereign Tech co-host, lovely and hyper intelligent. Sovereign Tech master. Oh, 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 oh dear. (laughs) Master Um, of Sovereign Tech. (gasps) (laughs) Anyway, all right, folks. That's it. I will see all of you on the other side. Woo.